0: Welcome to the World of Wellness, your one-stop shop for education, inspiration, and practical tools to build a healthy, sustainable, holistic lifestyle. I'm your host, Megan Zucra, and together we're gonna get fit, feel good, and have fun. Let's do this. Welcome to another episode of the World of Wellness Podcast. I'm your grateful host, Megan Zucra. So happy to be here today. We have a special guest, Land Nolan, and Land Nolan is a death doula. But this conversation was a lot of fun because we talk a lot about death and the importance of talking about it and wanted to bring that with you guys. But Leanne is a former school teacher turned death doula and educator as well as an earth plant medicine advocate. And she believes that natural psychedelic plant medicines and their synthetic relatives hold a great potential as tools for improving health and wellness. And she's especially interested in their benefits of releasing, sorry, relieving end of life anxiety. So this podcast goes all the way from death, how to talk to your friends and family about it, the stages of death, and then also the benefits of psychedelics with relieving that stress with end of life. So enjoy it. happy to bring her to you. All right, Leanne, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm super excited to have a conversation with you. Um, why don't you start, would you just mind introducing yourself to our listeners?
1: Yeah, thanks, Megan. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Leanne. I am originally from Ireland. I was born and raised there, left Ireland 2014 to begin my teaching career out in the Middle East, which is a fairly common thing for Irish teachers to do and i spent 4 years in the middle east teaching and um transparency i never wanted to be a teacher <laughs> so i struggled out there um quite a bit with work life balance um enjoying my lifestyle but really hating my work and definitely feeling like uh i was reaching some low points in my life out there and with the grace of whatever i i think I found my way into yoga and that really started to shift a lot of my perspective of life and death and everything in between. So I really, I really thank yoga for, Helping me with that time in my life, but also helping me transition out of teaching, which was something I should never have gotten into in the first place. So uh, while living in the Middle East, though, I did meet my husband, who is an American man. So when our time there was finished, we were like, all right, well, we got to live somewhere. So where are we going to live? And we decided to to start here and get my citizenship here before eventually moving back to Ireland. Uh, That's the long term goal. Um, so, since transitioning out of teaching, I have been focusing. Well, honestly, the pandemic gave me no choice in this, in a way, um, because when moved, when I moved to America, I, I made the decision to to not pursue a teaching career here. So, it gave me an opportunity to reevaluate a lot of things. With that, though, comes quite existential questions and fears, um, and they definitely did arise. But I'm um, usually grateful for the timing of the pandemic, which I know sounds strange to say, but it definitely aligned pretty, I, I can only say perfectly for myself anyway, because um, just prior to the pandemic, my grandmother died and she was the, the, the main reason I got into what I'm doing now, which is I am now a death doula. Um, for anyone who's unaware of what a death doula is, I know a lot of people, it's a new term for people, but basically it's like a birth doula, but for the end of life. And as death is the one inevitable thing that each and every one of us is going to face, that, that um, inquiry can begin at any any stage of life. So I, I am more focused on on getting this conversation that we're having today out there and opening the conversation around death and dying and helping ease the fears that are universal that we all have around that topic. Um, but like I was saying, it was really my granny's death that got me on this path because she got to die in such a, again, if I can say so, such a perfect way. She, she knew she was dying. She was old. She wasn't actually dying of anything in particular other than old age. And she knew it was coming. So she started to plan for her death months in, in, in advance. And it coincided with my wedding, who, where she invited everyone she wanted there because she knew that her, her life was ending. And although we had like arguments about this because I was like, I can't just invite all your friends who I don't know. <laughs> but she got her way in the end, as she did in her life. And uh, she ended up dying three weeks later, which coincided with my green card interview for the U.S. And I couldn't make it home for her funeral. So th- there was just all these emotions to like balance the the guilt of not making it home for her funeral. Although I just said goodbye to her three weeks prior and then <clears throat> understanding how she got to die in her home on her chair. She was, she was a very Catholic woman and she, her, her daughter, who's my mother and her son were praying in her ear. And it just, it seems just so, why, why is this not common? Why is it not more common that people are dying? their way Um, so that got my head going ticking ticking I was like whoa we are not talking about these things enough how how could that happen if if you didn't take the initiative to plan it yourself you're probably just going to end up dying in a hospital or dying somewhere that's not your own home so fast forward a couple months pandemic hit um the world is kind of faced collectively with collective grief collective death and fear and uh, like I said, I'd already been quite interested in the topic of death for a while. Anyway, I'd lost a, my father when I was young. I'd lost an aunt when I was five. So death had been in my life, all, basically all of my life. I was very aware of the fact that we that we die. Um, but I didn't know that there was um, death doulas out there who were actually trained to help with the process. So I ended up doing a training in March 2020. And I've basically just been following the breadcrumb sense. And here we are.
0: <laughs> I What came into my mind as you were saying all that was we can create our life by design, but why shouldn't we create death by design too? I mean, obviously we have accidents that happen, but generally speaking, like why not design the way that we exit the world, just the way that we want to design the way that we live in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You're from Ireland, and from what I've heard you speak of before, the way that the Irish culture deals with death is a lot different than the American culture. Um, what are some of those differences?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, also just taking into consideration how huge America is and how yeah. each state has different yeah. laws and, and rules, basically, but in Ireland, like uh, for instance, when I did the death doula training, I had no idea that like you know, people didn't know it was legal to have a home funeral. You know, people presumed you have to do that in a mm. in a in a, a funeral home or mm. in a in some. But in Ireland, almost it's optional, but a lot of people choose to have home funerals. So you know, there's just one automatic difference. I just presumed that that was very normal, um, and then the Irish wake is very much alive and well, where people stay with the body in entirety really from from once they're in the coffin until the burial like you're, you're there some some families choose to have the 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 body in the church you know it's it's a personal preference but for me um growing up in ireland which is you know mostly a cat it is a catholic still very much run by the the catholic faith um I found there a bit of a disconnect because uh, as with much of the world, a lot of people are questioning perhaps the faith they were brought up in. And I have never been to any funeral that's not Catholic. So like you said, right, we can't we do not have to do things just because our families have done them a certain way for so long. We have full authority to plan how we would like to die and how we would like that to go. Again, like you said, if it's not just sudden, if we are aware that that's going to happen, yeah. we can we can do it really any way we want. We can plan it any, any way we want. But they are the main differences I noticed, just how death is a huge part of the Irish culture, like people go to each each other's funeral it's very much a social event you go you risk you pay your respects and it's very normal to do that like it's a, it's a it's a it's a social gathering it's very you're very supported in the in the whole process and it, you're not expected to just jump back into work mode straight away people are very supportive and bringing food and you know all the I know that happens here too, but I think there's just a more of a community, a sense of community in the smaller towns in Ireland, just based on the fact that it's a smaller country.
0: Um, I think that I've heard you say this in a previous podcast that I've listened to, but something about three days is that what Americans give um, people for after they have a like grievance days, right? Yeah.
1: Very, very, very few days off for, yeah. free, for after a death. It's, it blew my mind. It's just like, you know, and again, it would just depend on where you work in Ireland. But if you were yeah. a teacher, you know, generally it's like, take as much time as you need, <laughs> Yeah, you know, that may not all be paid, but it's, it's willing, you know, you have the time you need.
0: Is it Like it's more accepting and more under understanding, like almost more empathetic towards the process, the process, I guess. Yeah. 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 So a deaf doula helps you basically plan your death. And how you want to go. Why is it important to talk about death? Because I think it's something scary that people don't want to talk about. And then we wait until maybe like we're later in life to start talking about it. But why is it important to start talking about it now?
1: That's a great question, <laughs> and I just want to um, make it clear: I'm mostly focused on what you just said, talking yeah. about it now. Yeah. yeah. Not, not necessarily. I'm not necessarily. I do, and I want to be with people as they die. But mm-hmm. I truly believe that we can contemplate our death in a safe space, and that can really help you navigate your life and cha- make changes. When you are very, very aware that this is a limited time we have here. Because we can forget that and think we are going to be here, like you said, that I'm going to die when I'm old or that I have all the time in the world to make the changes I want. But that's not always true. And going into a more philosophical approach and even the yogic approach to it, like life and death are not separate. We are doing each in each breath, really. So... Again, I know it can be a scary topic, but that's because we have in the last 100 or so years sanitized death and we don't see it in our day to day life. We are very much, um, you know, cradled from it. We don't see dead bodies, whereas 150 years ago, that was more common, you know, and how the medical field has progressed, which is fantastic. And we are living longer. It just means that people are not facing death of loved ones until maybe later in their life. So they've gone a long time without having to approach the topic, right? Um, but I think it's it's act like to to change your perspective on death is really freeing because it is a universal fear that we all have. It's it's one of the cliches in the yoga philosophy. The fear of death is the root cause of human suffering. It can be disguised in other ways, like the fear of change, the fear of you know. Change is it goes in many, many directions, like leaving a relationship or whatever it is, these things that we're so afraid of that really completely alter your life on the flip side. But life always goes on after these events. Death in itself is not the end for us people left after the person is gone, right? We, we, a part of us dies with them, but we can learn, we, we do learn to live without them. And we're not getting enough support in that. Like we just mentioned, three days to grieve. No, like you, you're you basically initiating into a whole new you as well. If you lose someone close to you, there's so many new, there's so much to it that we're not honoring in the Western culture. I believe-
0: Let's- that just makes me think too. I had one visual come into my head while you say that of um, like a flower and how you like cut stems so that like a greater flower can grow. And when we experience grief, it's part of our own evolution. Talking about death is, (laughs) is, is is important. And it's, uh, it's
1: a missing link right? because it's like the elephant in the room. It's this taboo. It's this weird like thing we think we shouldn't talk about because it might bring it on. And it's like, Hey, I'm going to do it anyway.
0: (laughs) Right. I remember what I was going to say now, the mindfulness aspect to it of, of when we have that part go of like being willing to sit with ourselves and go inside and say like, okay, how am I feeling? What am I learning from this? Like, how am I going to be and how am I going to design myself moving forward? Because almost I'm telling me if I'm wrong, but death can almost be just as much about the person who's connected to that level. And as it is about the person that's dying.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, like, it, it, re- really, very much so. I really like what you say there because imagine two different scenarios. Someone who has not planned anything for their, their life, their family don't know if they want to be resuscitated, their family don't know any of these things. Then that's on the family to make these decisions in, all, in an already stressful situation. Whereas if a person has really planned at all, they have done they have donated their belongings, they have, or they have at least told their family what they want done with them. They have their advanced directives filled out. They have their wills and testaments and all of these things. Then the already stressful situation for the family is, is at a little bit more ease. You know, there's more ease there because they're not wondering what the person would have wanted. So it definitely is all encompassing for everyone involved. To plan for this is actually doing a huge service for your family because
0: it's them who has to deal with it yeah minimizing overwhelm too when the time Mm -hmm. comes yeah so uh what are some of the stages of death or dying
1: Mm -hmm. this is a a really a great question and again this is going to vary from person to person But there is typically stages to death. And something I found really interesting because, again, I just compared a birth birth doula to a death doula. There's a labor to birth a human into this life. There's a labor to birth out as well. There is a labor to death. And it usually begins about one to three months before the actual event itself. And it will begin with a kind of withdrawal from the world and people and decreased food intake and not wanting to drink and an increase in sleep and going into the self, not really wanting to communicate. Like that's the initial beginning process of the labor and a family can get a bit, you know, Oh no, they should be eating or they should be drinking. But this is actually the body's natural, hmm. um, steps it's taking to prepare itself to stop functioning. You know, that's what it does. It's, a gradual process. Again, unless, unless it's a very sudden death. And then about one to two weeks out, there's begins to be mental changes like disorientation, agitation, talking with the unseen, which I love this aspect. Um, for anyone who's on Instagram, there's an amazing hospice nurse called Hospice Nurse Julie, and she is normalizing the dying process every single day, sharing the most beautiful stories about people who We'll have we'll see a loved one at the end of life, um, and these are things again. If we're not aware of, we can think, oh, they're they're crazy, or there's something wrong. This is very very natural for people to see someone or to talk to people who are not there. So I, I really I really think that's a a good thing to to be aware of for people. And um, there's also confusion, um, picking at clothes, just like agitated. That's about one to two weeks out. Um, and then physical changes. There's a decrease. In blood pressure pulse increase or decrease like it's not stable we're not like our body's not doing its normal thing there can be skin color changes uh can be pale or bluish uh increased perspiration and also respiration like you like you really like you know the word i'm looking for
0: erratically
1: irregular irregular <laughs> <Regular>. Okay. <laughs> <That's the word. laughs> so it's not regular right It yeah. can be yeah. Like no breaths for a long time, and then like sudden breaths. It's just it's it's not consistent. Like our normal breathing does its thing without us having to think about it much, thankfully. Um, and then a lot more sleeping and not eating, very very few fluids. That's still one to two weeks out. And then when we're getting closer to the actual death days or hours, there can actually be this again. This nurse hus- not hospice nurse Julie explains this really well, but people can actually get this surge in energy. A couple hours to a day or two out where the family can think, oh, they're getting better. But actually, that's just the body's one last hurrah, basically. And that can last a few hours and then they go back into the inward non commutative state. Um, yeah, as, as you can imagine, your body's really let, getting ready to let go. So little to no urine, maybe soiling themselves they want to make sure that they're always clean this is why hospice is such a wonderful a wonderful tool for people that's not utilized as enough at all because I don't even know if people are aware that it can be used and people again the fear can stop them because oh hospice means yeah dying but it's such a wonderful service um very pul- a weak pulse and again irregular breathing and then when it's coming to the very very end there is it's it's they call it fish out of water breathing where it's kind of like the death rattle is another term for it it's like the body's not breathing much anymore it's it sounds like the body is struggling but it's a very very natural step and once that's beginning you know there's not much time left and the person will not be awakened after that and they will die very very soon after that and then that's
0: it i give me goosebumps <laughs> I had no idea about any of that. And I, I don't think a lot of people know a lot of stuff about that.
1: I mean, I didn't either until I did the doula course. And yeah. I was kind of like, shit, why are we not taught this in school? Why is right. this not, why, this is above anything else we're taught. This is one thing we all will have to face, either our own our, or a our loved ones. To be prepared for this, it's like going into a birth, even though I know that the body is able to do these things naturally, but it's mostly just for, like you said, the preparation, you probably are not going to go into your birth blind Right. <laughs> like, right. Unless you just don't know you're pregnant. You're going to do the preparation and you're going to be aware of what the stages are. So
0: and you're going to read up on it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um. So what do you think is the most important thing that we need to learn as a culture or individual? I guess it's individually, right? About what we need to learn, but like, what do you think is the most important thing that is not talked about that we need to talk about.
1: Well, just the fact that it's really going to happen to us yeah. all, and to lessen your fear, although it sounds kind of paradoxical, like to 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 talk about death, it can seem morbid to people, or it can seem like oh, that's that you shouldn't talk about that. In actuality, it's the opposite. To con- uh, I'm all about contemplating your own death. What does it mean to you? Like, and again, I'm coming from a, death is so wrapped up in religion for so many people. And yet so many people are not connected to that. And they may have been told certain things about, you know, their faith, that they were conditioned to believe, but they may not believe that at all. So I think it's so important for an individual to explore that themselves, because that's where you can really get to know who you are. These are like the questions that the yogi is encouraged to ask. Like, who am I? Why am I here? What does it mean to be a human with the time I have? If it's 90 years or if it's five minutes, I'm still here. What does that mean for me? And like that's tight. like that's life, but that's also death. They're like to yeah. not disconnect the two, yeah. I think, is the most important thing because they are so connected. You are never guaranteed another moment on this life. And that's where my favorite phrase, my favorite quote, the be here now statement, the the power of the present moment, there's my favorite quote in the whole world is by Eckhart Tolle and it's, the more you live in the present moment, the more the fear of death disappears. So that's a practice, especially for people and a lot of people are suffering from high levels of death anxiety, but also people are suffering from death ideation right now feeling like they'd be better off dead. There's a lot of su- suicidal ideation going on. So these questions can really help you because when you contemplate, well, what would it mean if I did die? Like strongly in a sober setting, in like, you know, I, I know I'm, I think a lot of alcohol, alcohol is a huge depressant and can get people on these spiral thoughts. So to do it in the safe setting, again, I just want to like clarify, it should be done in a safe setting, possibly with someone you trust and having these conversations is, can be life-saving for people because they can get a purpose out of life by contemplating death.
0: I really like what you said in in not separating the two, because if you're contemplating death, you're contemplating life because in also being present and I had actually a moment this morning when I was practicing, I was like, this is the only moment that is guaranteed (laughs) right now. So like, why not show up completely present now? It might sound so weird for somebody to go to their friend or family and be like, Hey, can you sit with me? And can we talk about death? (laughs)
1: No, I know that. But imagine if more people did, because that's what's happening. People are wanting to die. They are wanting to end their life. If they had someone they could go to and say, hey, I'm not happy in my humanness right now. I think I'd be better off out of this body. But then what does that mean? What's going to happen? Do you think it's nothing? Do you believe in an afterlife? Can you make this life here a little bit you know, even a little bit better for yourself that you don't feel like that's going to be the ultimate, um, best decision for you. But the present moment thing, I totally agree with you. It can be so fleeting when you get those moments of, Oh yeah, like all these philosophers and all these spiritual teachers talking about the present moment. It's actually true that your, your lived reality in this moment is, should be your primary focus. But of course, we all know how much anxiety and depression the whole society is going through right now. We are seeing live, like on our phones, literal war at the moment. There's a lot going on for us. So to be able to step out of that and into the moment is a practice. That's the practice of yoga. The very first yoga sutra says now the exposition of yoga is taking place. It's not saying when you get on your mat and do yoga tomorrow. It is saying now the primary focus of yoga is to unite your mind and your body in the present moment now. So that's, that's why I love yoga so much. And I think yoga is such a tool for life and preparation for death. That's why we lie in Shavasana at the end.
0: Yeah. I have so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't want to get stuck on this, but I guess it's kind of me contemplating at the same time too, but it, I guess I want to talk about contemplating death a little bit more.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's interesting to, you know, I guess my natural tendency is to like, let's talk about it in a way to, I'm getting, I'm getting hung up on the, let's talk about it in the sense of what would happen if I weren't here.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. And also in the sense of, I guess, how do you, I guess I'm getting hung up on the, maybe we can move on, but I'm getting no, hung I up know, I the, know what you're, I know what you're yeah. I understand what you're saying.
1: So how, how, how do you yeah. contemplate it or like, how do you even fathom?
0: Well, on both sides, if you're, if you're looking at it from a, I don't like my life, let me think about dying, but also, my life is good. How do I, how do I make it better when knowing that I'm going, you know, both both sides are what I'm kind of like, uh, yeah. how do you, yeah. And I don't even want to discredit somebody who might be contemplating those things. I don't even, I don't even think that's a bad thing. Like we think that's a negative thing of like, oh, I'm thank having you. suicidal thoughts, but like, why, you know?
1: what? Well, exact. Thank you. That is so important. We judge people so harshly for these um, thoughts. But what are, what are we doing as a collective society to help people live more easeful lives when we're so caught up in capitalism and we're so caught up in productivity? So many people are doing things they do not like. I'll just use myself, for example. I am privileged and so blessed and lucky to have been able to leave a career I didn't like. So many people feel like they don't have the choice to do that. You know, they feel like they're stuck or they have to make money or they have to do this. But one thing I have learned in my life from all the change that and all the moving around I have done is no matter what decision you make, life will continue on around it. There's no such thing as a wrong decision. Yeah. So um, I really appreciate that. What you said about like, what about someone who's really feeling that way to be with that person and in a non-judgmental way, not trying to fix them, but just being there and helping them. Well, what is it? You know, being letting them be human. There's so many people in that in that mind frame right now, and we almost demonize them and blame them as if it's their fault. It's not. It's it's the world we're in where so many people are not feeling authentic to themselves because they're forced into certain ways of life that don't suit them.
0: That makes me think that if somebody is feeling suicidal and they tell somebody that, like, that person who goes, okay, let me help you, they're almost projecting their fear into death into there by, like, wanting to help rather than, like, let's talk about it. Why are you feeling that way? And getting to the root of the problem of why you're feeling like that rather than trying to come up with a solution. And most people probably just wanted a space to, I don't actually know. I don't want to say that, but, <laughs> but, but I'm presuming that some people might just want to, I'm feeling this way because, and feeling safe enough to express themselves would probably alleviate some of the thoughts of why they're feeling like that. And then if they can understand why they're feeling like that, that might enable them to Design a life differently, more presently. Yeah.
1: yeah, no, really. And think about how expensive therapy is. Think of how how expensive certain healing modalities are for people. It's not accessible to everybody. That's why I'm like, hey, we need to understand that death is a thing that happens to people. And some people choose to die by suicide. We have to stop judging that. That's decision people make. And of course, it's fantastic if we can help and steer them away from that. But the judgment around it, it's it's fear. It's fear-based. It's exactly what you said. And of course, I'm not condoning it. And I hope for everybody to feel that's that that doesn't have to be an option for them, but that's just not the reality we're in right now. Right. It's probably at an all-time high at the moment. So that's why I'm like, hey, we need to start talking about this. Certain people have also, to bring it back around, and I'm not saying everybody, but we have, we call mental health disorders. We call them that. But now research is saying they're actually not disorders at all. We are suffering from mental health because we're living lives that are not conducive to being a human. And that's right. why we're suffering so much. Right. Um and a lot of people have, you know, again, going back to the unseen, what what when people see at the reach the end of the life, a lot of people have gifts, you know. In Ireland, it's very common for people to be healers, you know, that this is, you know, a living tradition where people truly believe that certain people can heal you certain people have these spiritual power i don't want to say powers but gifts and we're disconnected from the spiritual realm a lot in the western world so what is death if not a we If not a spiritual thing right we are spiritual (coughs) beings in a body and we've 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 in catholic we've said you're going to heaven hell or purgatory we've given you three options here you know but there's there's so much more that we can think about all of this
0: that just makes me think of energy. I, it's so funny. I' I've, I've, like we are energy, and I've also heard you say before, like just because, um just because we like our energy stays. And you can that, yeah, energy yeah. can't be destroyed. Yeah, energy can't
1: be destroyed. So I, I can just use myself as an example. Yeah. So my dad died. I was twelve. He was buried on my thirteenth birthday, like this very initiative time in your life anyway where I was like questioning everything. So I wanted someone, I wanted to be like, okay, so he's in heaven or he's in hell. Like, no, I don't really like either option. Cause if you're saying, if he's in heaven, he can see me and like all of these things, you know, that you try and simple, simple for a child's mentality, you know, you're trying to like simple, simplify it for them. But I just didn't, it just didn't resonate with me. I was like, I would rather just think there's nothing. This is where I went. I was like, there's nothing. I, at that point in my life, I decided, you love the people while they're alive, you, they will die. And then I don't believe you're going to see them again. Or I, di- I stopped praying at that point. I really, that was my complete disconnect from any spiritual thing. And I believe that's why I was so unhappy. <laughs> Even though I got to travel a lot, I got to live in the Middle East, there was something in me not happy. I was disconnected from a huge part of myself. So when I started yoga and like I mentioned these questions, the who am I, you know, it wasn't straight in the in the death realm for me. That happened more so around the pandemic. But that opened up these that wasn't. That to, for me, that was a better way of looking at looking at it, because after my dad dying, I remember so clearly I was about 14. It was about a year or so later. And like I, existential death brings up existential stuff for people like and I just remember looking at my hand and I was like what are humans and I it was such an innocent I hadn't read any books about spirituality I was just like what are humans and I was like something like sucked me out for a split second and I came back into my body and I was like what the hell was that it was I went around to all my friends I was like look at your hand and like ask yourself what are your what What the what are humans and they were like okay Leanne you're crazy you know and here's the beginning of you not having a, a community to support you in these kind of questions and that's why I love having community like yoga community or whatever other community you feel safe exploring these topics in so um, I don't know and I've lost my train of thought where I was going with that but yeah, I think we need to open up these these dialogues because people have had these experiences that they can't really uh, put into words right. because they're non-normal human stuff and then they have nowhere to go with that and that can fester into other things.
0: So how would you suggest that somebody start... Approach like how, how how do you start to approach the conversation of death with a friend or family member with you know especially if you're feeling a little bit anxious about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can only speak of my own experience, but the more I have been speaking about it openly and like saying I don't want to be buried in, you know, I have my plan. If I die in America, I'll get cremated and sent home because that would be cheaper. <laughs> or if I'm in <laughs> Ireland, I want to be you know, I it to be non in the church, but I do want to be buried with my family. You know, I just made these plans. So my family are aware. And then my mom, of course, is like, well, I'm going to go before you. And I was like, but you don't know that. So here yeah. is, you know, here is what I want. And now I've gotten her to, like, I have all these, I have lots of, you know, things you can literally plan for, like, where would you prefer to die? I have her fill out that. Where would yeah. you prefer to die? So I know. And of course, 70 percent of 100 well, percent of people want to die at home when they think about it. But 70 percent of people end up dying in hospital. So, you know, if you have a planned, you at least know that you can go home on hospice right. once the signs start but if it's it starts with everything starts with yourself once you normalize it then you will find that the people around you will start to normalize it but of course there's going to be people who are so not willing my brother for example when i did the death dealer training he was quite supportive of me but when it came to it oh he did not want to talk about it i have a game like there's games you can play i have I sh- i'll show it to you i'll get it in a minute it's called the death deck and it just asks like, I'll hold on. I'll get it. Cause it's okay, really, cool. it's really cool. Yeah. And we can, cool. we can pull a card from there. Cool. <laughs> like, you have to meet people where they're at. There is uh-huh. no forcing uh-huh. this. It's uh-huh. not that you can do that. So it's like the Death Deck. Cool. And there's just cards. And it was made by two ladies that I both lost their husbands, I believe. And know, saw how much there is to it. And that they weren't aware of until they had to, you know, do it themselves. So for example... Would you consider donating your entire body to a body farm where natural decomposition is studied with significant benefits to forensic science? You know, just these conversation starters and you can play this around. There's like death at dinner and there's like events you can go to. There's death cafes where these kind of conversation starters and it just gets the mind going. Oh yeah, I could think about that. And oh well, yeah, that could be a cool option. I don't have to do it the way everyone else has done it in my family for no. centuries or whatever it be.
0: Yeah. That sounds like, so that actually kind of sounds fun. That- <laughs> have you done one of those before?
1: Yeah. I used to do, I like, I've done a few on clubhouse. I'm not sure if you've aware, you know, clubhouse. Yeah. 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 I used to do them. I did a few last year and I had the founder or the, the two, I had them on my clubhouse and we did it with a group of people and then, it's really nice. You know, it just gets you thinking about how much there is to think about, you know, with regards to to death and life.
0: Yeah. When I'm sure answering some of those questions would gain greater perspective about your own life in the present moment too, and open up some more doors of awareness that previously wouldn't have been there.
1: Right. Like this one, I just see this one. It's like, do you believe in miracles? Right. And it's like, yes, they can happen at any time. No. It's on us to make things happen or only in rare instances, what I believe, you know, and then you just get a sense of where people are at as well by, by hearing what they, what they think.
0: Epic. I would like to, I'll have to put those in the show notes because that might be fun to. No, it is. It's, it's a really, it's a really, and it's,
1: it's a course death, but it's meant to be with humor because I'm all about bringing a bit of humor to this because hey, we're all going to do this. It's. I think now looking back, I I totally didn't want to talk about it for most of my life. But now I'm just like, wow, if I can just die in peace and live in peace, what else? What else is, you know, that's that's what life is about, right? Being a human has to be something about death. There has to, we have to prepare for it. (laughs) Like, it makes no sense not to.
0: Well, and even, even, even small picture, but big picture at the same time, like we are constantly evolving and versions of ourselves have to die in order to evolve and go to the next level with whatever we're trying to do.
1: Exactly.
0: Impermanence. (laughs) That's another thing
1: people can practice is an impermanence meditation. It's like a, it's a Buddhist technique where you you go, you, you get into a meditative state and then you literally imagine that you're stepping on the stage and all your belongings are there. And then in an instant, they're gone. And you just have to sit with that. And then your your loved ones are on this. You know, it's all this like imagining everything you love to be gone. But then of course, you're just doing a meditation. So you, you it can get really intense because you're like, oh my God, everything is gone. But then you are able to In this life, had this idea that you're dead to all those things. But in actuality, here I am still alive. Great. And then you can feel a huge sense of gratitude for being alive when you imagine that at one point you're not going to be. Right. And that's huge, to be grateful for your life. And I, and I recognize it's not easy for people to be grateful for a lot of things in their life. Like my mom just told me this story like two weeks ago. So my mom was an alcoholic after my dad died. And she spiraled quite heavily down, down that path. And she went to get help, thankfully. And she went into a rehabilitation center. And they had them practice a gratitude list each night. And she said for the first week, she could not think of one thing to write down on that page. And neither could most of the people in there because they were just so fixated on their, their alcoholism. So she would be like, I'm not grateful to be an alcoholic. I'm not grateful to be here. You know, all that. I'm not grateful. I'm not grateful. But then during the space of the month, she could think of one thing. And then the next day, think of another thing. And, you know, the more you can be grateful for, the more you remember what you're grateful for. And then she basically, it sounds like to me, had like a spontaneous enlightenment moment where they had the meditation she didn't tell me that they had the meditating down there either but they were meditating one night and just again out of some grace of the grace of whatever is shipping this whole thing she's just realized she would never drink again huh. i'm like that's some power bigger than her she always said it was something bigger than her that helped her so
0: you know, I, I, I it kind of makes me think of like law of attraction a little bit in alignment, because if you're like constantly working towards something and, and I don't know where I'm going with this, but constantly working towards something like this is the goal. And then all of a sudden, like you align with what you've been working towards, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a process that we do over time. And it's, the continual effort over time, just like getting good at anything, is especially if we want to be better in our career or be better in our yoga practice. It's the consistent effort over time of like, this is how I want to be. This is how I want to be. This is it clicks, you know. Yeah. Until you become that, there's Amy Cuddy's got a quote. I, I mean, I don't love this, but I don't hate it. But fake it till you become it. Like, just keep doing it until you become it.
1: Yeah, and I, this is I like that to a certain degree too. Yeah. yeah. But I'm like the only thing we actually ever have to do is be in the moment. Yes. And this is something that's really complicated. I'm not complicated, but I found it hard to understand because I was like, all right, they're all telling me to be present. They're all telling me to be in the present moment, but like I have too much to worry about. I have too much to think about and I have too much to do. Can't possibly be in the present moment. But then again, like you said, it's a practice and yoga is a hugely beneficial practice for this because you're being in your body, you're feeling something in your body that's uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but you're breathing through it anyway. And that's the practice of life. That's the practice of being with emotions like grief. That's the emotion of being with these emotions and feeling them because we so very often numb them out instead of feeling them. And the practice of being is liberation. Like that's literally what it means to be liberated from your mind. If we're doing yoga, the the goal of yoga is to seize or to like calm the fluctuations of the mind. That's what we're doing. So how do you do that? The only place you can do that is in each moment. You can't say, oh, tomorrow I'm going to stop thinking or tomorrow I'm going to practice being present. You can only do it now because when tomorrow comes, it's going to be now.
0: I like what you're saying. Cause it's a choice. Like we can choose to be present. You know, I'm thinking like, um, I was thinking of like the question I want to ask you, like, how, how do we become more present? And obviously I'm thinking a million things, but at the end of the day, it becomes a choice. Like we had a choice to like, I have a choice to be thinking about what's on my screen over here. What's on here. What am I going to eat next? Or like, I can choose to be completely present and have a deep listening with you right now. And even when like, we're working. Like we can still be present and doing little tiny tasks. We just have to be a choice to be completely engrossed in what we're doing and not letting our mind run us. And that's why I love Pratyahara so much, which is, I I keep talking about this because I think it's just the m- most powerful thing we can do is turn it all off and be with ourselves, even for a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, yes.
1: And you well, said it there, you actually, you actually, you gave the golden nugget there when it comes to being with someone as they're dying. Yeah. You just have to be there as an active listener. Yeah, That is really it. You do not have to fix, you don't, like, it's listening, life review, asking open-ended questions, just being there with them, that is, that, and that is a very... Potent practice, obviously, is to be present with someone as they die, right? That's going to be a lot of feelings for you, but it's not about you.
0: Right. And be there with an open heart for them and like giving them love and giving them energy and being empathetic and compassionate towards them, not making it about how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. That's a huge practice. Mm -hmm. (sighs) So I don't know. I feel like we kind of touched on the presence here (laughs) pretty good. So I guess, I guess two questions. I'll ask that question, but what, what, what kind of advice would you give anybody who wants to bring more presence into their life? And then my next question would be what kind of advice would you give somebody who is starting the death labor process or that transition?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, there is lots of practices. Like like life itself is the practice of being a you like we're human beings, mm. we're not human doers. So mm. we've we have kind of become that. Yeah. Um and uh, it's it this is a it's a, so individual for each person, but at the end of the day, there's yoga, right? That's a great one. But one thing we all have because a lot of people perhaps see certain yoga poses and they get turned off. They don't want to do yoga. But one thing we all have is our breath. And there is one guarantee. You can try it. Anyone can try it. You can't take a very, very aware, like being fully aware of your inhale and your exhale and think about much else. Because if you, you will know straight away because you're not concentrating on your breath. You're already in your mind. So to concentrate on your breath, even three deep breaths, can be so helpful for people mm-hmm. at, at any point in their day, and we take that. Like I know, I heard your um, conversation with Diana, so I know that she she emphasizes how important our breath is. Well, it's our pranayama, it's our life force, it's the thing that actually keeps us alive. It's the last thing we do before we die. So True. to be present with your breath is the ultimate practice. That's why we do yoga. It's to to that it is a breath practice ultimately right Right. before it's anything else yeah so the breath yoga movement walking in nature there's like getting on the earth connecting back with that because we are not separate from nature either we are we follow the same cycles if again you want to go into some of the eastern philosophies of death birth rebirth you can just look to nature to see how that cycle works if we are not separate from that then we can think about that as well Being energy and how that is a continuation all the time and again if you don't want to believe or if you don't have any belief in anything like that you can know that once you're imagine that once you're gone your life will stay in the memories there is your energy in the memories even the people you love where are they now they are in your memory in a different form they're not in their physical body which is very very hard but if we can become more familiar with the fact that that's just how life is, that that is actually normal part of it. That's, a, you know, another way to think about it. Instead of thinking it's the worst thing in the world, which, of course, I'm not saying death is not hard. I absolutely understand that it is. But it's a normal part of this experience.
0: Just make it literally a <laughs> cry. But it just makes me think, like, you you can connect with anybody who's passed away, like, through your memory.
1: Yeah. And this, I, I don't know, I, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can Please. mention the psychedelic part Please. in here. Please, yeah, okay, you're okay, so this is, for me, where it all started to make sense. Because, I, like I mentioned, I had no connection to my ancestors, to my dad, to my granny, to my aunt. I didn't think of them because it was so tied up with religion for me. So I didn't think about them. If I die, I'm going to want people to think about me. You know, I'm going to want them to have something when they see a certain thing, a mushroom. Let's talk about mushrooms because I am an advocate for natural earth medicines, which are proving at this point in time to be one of the only things that are helping people with existential end of life anxiety. Really? Yes. Like this is, this to me is huge and it's, it's amazing Um, because like I said, there's a lot of people who don't have a connection to anything. They don't feel like they are, they're completely separate they feel separate from each other. They don't feel connected to each other. And for someone who has, for example, a terminal diagnosis with cancer, one single session with psilocybin, which is the chemical compound in what you might know of magic mushrooms or psychedelic mushrooms, one dose can alleviate that anxiety and help them live, if it's a day, week, month, or year, with ease. They are no longer afraid of death. They still have their cancer. They still understand that their time is limited, but the, the fear has lifted.
0: And what happens when that happens? When that
1: happens? It, it, it's, it's an individual experience, but yeah. generally what it's it gives people a sense of love, that they are loved that and it can also connect them with their ancestors and it can give that's what it did that's what I'm very grateful for it did for me and that was it wasn't really what I was um, going in for I went I ex- I had my first experience because of the guilt I mentioned that had started to build up and up and up around my not get, getting home from my granny's funeral even though it was all me putting the guilt on myself right but it's a huge thing in in catholic People uh, that guilt and shame—it's—it's—it's it's, it's ingrained. Like we are sinners, <laughs> and when I did that first experience, I—I I didn't do it with mushrooms. I did it with LSD, which is so still considered taboo to people or party drug or whatever. But really, it's just a synthetic relative of mushrooms. And I went in with the intention and want to make this very clear that if anybody ever is doing a psychedelic experience, your intention. Your mindset and the setting, your location are paramount. They are the three factors that will influence how you experience that. And a lot of people have, you know, nightmares about bad trips they've had when they've been partying with alcohol. And that's not the same. These are sacred compounds, basically. They are sacred earth medicines. I know I'm saying LSD, but I do consider it all not the same, but as useful as, as each other. And I went in with that with my first experience with the intention to help me with my guilt. I didn't know who I was. I wasn't praying to anybody. I was just like, okay. I was. I read that's very important to have an intention. So my intention yeah. is that I would like help with this guilt. And it was the, probably the most life changing day of my life that day because my granny. She. I didn't have any visuals because I did a very small dose to begin. But she was just like, girl, what are you guilty about? You know, it was just like this felt sense that I did not have to be guilty about it because she is still here in me yeah and that was like oh shit like yeah if she comes to my mind and I'm aware there she is yeah that's that's it you know we don't get to choose the thoughts that come to us we just get to choose to be aware of them yeah so I'm a big advocate for that especially for people around end of life I mean, if, if we know now because there's so much research that this is one, the one thing, like it's even people who are resistant to, like those people who are, are resistant to antidepressants or SSRIs, again, these are the, the one thing that is actually helping them because what it does is it rewires the neurological pathways in your brain. So if you've had a ruminating thought your whole life, oh my God, death is whatever it is, you know, whatever the ruminating thought, the fear, the fear, the fear, you can shake that up so that you're no longer continuously on that. You are free to think other avenues, other possibilities after the experience.
0: So then that helps people become more present in their day-to-day life because they've, they've. I mean, is it like they inhibit the fear aspect and they're letting these other awarenesses come into play?
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's just totally helping alleviate the fear. And it, and it and it can like the people. This is why I, this is why death and psychedelics are not separate either because mm. if people are see they're talking talking with the unseen. They're having some kind of hallucination where they're seeing someone they love. The exact same thing happens for people in deep journeys where they can connect with a loved one that's past. Yeah. So they know that once they there's nothing to fear because there's a whole other world here that we just can't see with our limited vision and that's something that's in the Irish mythology that I love and that I've reconnected with the Irish the old Irish ways like the Celtic ways of thinking wasn't heaven hell it was that when you die you just slip into the other world that's parallel to this one we just can't see it
0: Mm.
1: and I like that more than you're going to be condemned and whatever for the rest of your life
0: (laughs) well and then I also know that when you die DMT gets released from your brain exactly so So then I go on a trip before we
1: die and that I learned I only learned that in the the teacher training because and and that was one of the reasons I not teacher training sorry the doula training that after this my psychedelic experience where I like had this connection with my granny I was like hold up hold everything what's what the hell and then when I learned about the DMT release, mm-hmm. doing the because people have these hallucinations because their body is naturally secreting DMT, which is a component in ayahuasca, in a lot of these plant medicines, it really does sound like we're just going on another journey. And if the present moment is eternal, because every single moment of your life that you ever lived happened in this moment, this one right now, death is going to be another moment like this it's just going to come in an ordinary moment from from for a lot of us so I think it's all fascinating and why why these things are not widely available information to people I don't know and that's why I'm grateful to you for like uh, uh, spreading this information because even in the yoga sutras psychedelic herbs are, are mentioned as a way to reach samadhi they're it's not the end goal because again Now what, right? You have these huge, expansive experiences. You still have to continue being present in your life. It's the integration of the experience. That's what's most helpful. And I feel like if the 14-year-old me, which I consider that to have been quite a like out-of-body experience for me, if I had had someone who I could have talked to about that and could have like guided me through that, that would have been a big changer in my life. But that just wasn't an open conversation at the time.
0: Can you talk about what Samadhi is? Because I think,
1: oh, um,
0: <laughs> I <laughs> you can don't try. have to go into depth. I don't have try. to go into depth. But I just know that somebody listening will be like, "What the heck is Samadhi?"
1: So there's eight limbs to the journey of Ashtanga yoga. So Ashtanga yoga, all yoga falls under the umbrella of Ashtanga because no matter if you're practicing hatha, Ayengar, L- 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 hot yoga, whatever it be, there's all these. There's eight limbs, not just the asana that are important. So we have the yamas, which are the you, you the social like ethics, then the niyamas, which are your personal ethics, mm-hmm. asanas, which are literally not even the most important thing. They're number three on the branch, and then we have pranayama, pratyahara, dhyana, dhyana dharana, and then samadhi. So <laughs> samadhi is like you're doing the other seven to reach somebody, to reach it. But it's not like you're going to reach it some future point. It's in this moment. You can be in it so blissfully in the moment that you basically merge with it. You are so in the moment that you are not worried about your next breath. You're not worried about what's going to come because you're in it. You are the moment. You are it. And it's it's kind of like nirvana or ecstasy or whatever it's and this is where it got confusing for me because when I was first learning about samadhi it sounded way too good to be true so I asked my yoga teacher I was like does samadhi mean death Mm. and because I was like the only way I could possibly be free from all my anxiety and thinking is if I was dead (laughs) and she was like no 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 it's very possible in this lifetime and I was, that just was like, okay. And that's really where I started with the exploration of Ram Das and Be Here Now. And he goes into, if there's, that's a great book for anybody, Ram Dass, Be Here Now. Um, Cause he goes into all the studies he did with, so Ram, yeah, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Ram Dass.
0: I'm not actually, that okay. book sounds familiar.
1: So Ram Dass was previous, his previous name was Richard Albert and he was a professor in Harvard in the sixties. And he was like one of the first, western westerners to um do research on the benefits of psychedelics and they made huge headway in the 60s um it was like breakthrough psychiatric treatment it was it was actually almost going to be used in the aa model like the people who discovered aa did psychedelics to help them with their addictions so there's you you can read about all of this in that book but what he noticed is again you have these expansive conscious experiences but you are still a human having to continue on your human life and that's when he got on the yoga path because samadhi is available to us all in each moment you don't have to take anything you don't have to do anything to reach samadhi that's the that's the crazy part of it all you reach it when you let go of everything else Samadhi is a letting go of anything in the past and anything that can come in the future and just being present. That's it summed up very, very childlike, basically. That's not a great explanation of it, but that's how I consider it. Samadhi is to be in the present moment completely.
0: It's a powerful thing.
1: It's a powerful thing. It's a practice. So if you can be present with your life, that also means when the end of it comes, you will not be enveloped in fear. You'll be open to the experience if I can say almost excited to see what's to come if we could change the narrative around death and dying to that imagine how much peace we could have wow because my mom right now my mother I love my mother she's like my inspiration and she's come such a long way and done so much healing work and she's like when I hear somebody dying now I'm almost like Jesus better off they're better off within the world and I was like oh I don't know if I go that far but like we have to enjoy our humanness while we're here but we 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 shouldn't think of it as this awful thing because it's going to happen to us all we have to flip the narrative on it yeah
0: all right what else (laughs) what else did we not touch on that we need to touch on
1: well, I could go on a bit more about <laughs> how psychedelics help, and like the or I can I think I sent you the book list if you want to share that with your oh, listeners. Wow. Um, yeah. Just there's so much research of how. Well, first of all, why did war on drugs begin in the first place? Mm. That's a great place to start. They, they were demonized for absolutely no reason. There is no such thing as a bad drug. We can Do just abuse.
0: They were demonized out of fear.
1: No, they were demonized because um, nobody who's connected to their fellow beings is going to want to kill them and go fight their war. Right. Nobody's going to want to do that if we're actually in in love with our life and in love with each other. And that's what they do. They help us love each other and to see like all the stuff Jesus talks about and all the stuff Buddha talks about and all those like whatever tradition you uh, resonate with. A psychedelic experience can no longer have that. Just be something you're reading. It's all of a sudden this felt sense of how interconnected we all are. Um, there's a fantastic book that's um, called the. What is it called? How to Change Your Mind. The It's by Michael Pollan, and he mm-hmm. talks about he goes in depth into the war on drugs, why it happened, the huge progress that had been made right before that, and really why it all the research stopped for so long and now it's there's a renaissance happening where we're discovering again how potently amazing these medicines are and it's just going to be up to each person to again decondition themselves to that because it it affected us all no matter where in the world you were drugs are bad you know certain drugs are bad and but this pharmaceutical is good. And, you know, we've, we, there's been all this um, narrative around drugs where in actuality, there's no such thing as a bad drug. It's how we, if we abuse it or not. Right. So we think cigarettes. Right. Cigarettes are hugely addictive and kill so many people, but tobacco is a sacred medicine. It's sacred in indigenous right. tribes in South America. It is revered and it has a spirit. So does mushrooms, they have a spirit. Like, they, it's very clear that they're, like, living intelligence. And underneath our feet, like, every single step we take, there's three miles of mycelium fungal network beneath us doing so much to connect all the nature that we see around us. Like, it's fascinating. Fantastic. Fungi on Netflix. Absolutely brilliant.
0: So full of wisdom. <laughs> Um, the other thing that I was thinking of, like you're saying with like plant has spirit, like we, we can't deny that a tree is a living thing, that a vegetable is a living thing that we pull out and eat. So, and it has an electromagnetic field and it also like carries electricity. That's how it grows. So acknowledging that these things that we are eating and using are a living thing, not just like something for our consumption and making that, um, that switch of the gift that our food and, or whatever substances we're using is like, it's kind of like there, do you think a plant grows for malintent? (laughs) Right? Like it's, it's a matter of, what we're using it for right and
1: again and if if spirituality or if that because i understand how much these words can stop you from exploring it because like i didn't like that word for a long 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 time i didn't like the word god for a long long time i had such negative connotations but just when you're eating your breakfast say you have like a bowl of oatmeal with berries and honey and a bowl and a spoon and a cup of coffee and milk that alone has taken hundreds if not thousands of people to get to your plate and you might think for a second nah but think about it it it's a literal miracle that we have that food in front of our face and to give gratitude to that to thank all the people involved in the food that you have that's a spiritual practice definitely like that's and the the gratitude is actually one of the biggest contributors to well-being it it, and it's it is a practice and I I learned that not only from yoga but like during the Mm -hmm. pandemic I had all this time and like I said I delved into it all and Yale had a free course called the science science of well-being and they had us like do gratitude lists every day and it helped me feel grateful in the middle of a global pandemic and it is a practice that if you leave it just like if you leave your yoga practice it will you know, dwindle over time, but it's always possible to pra- to pick it back up. Yeah. And we can't be beating ourselves up for not doing certain things. You know, we go through cycles, especially females. We have a literal cycle built into us where we're meant to rest, where then we have times where we're meant to be productive, but we don't follow those. You know, we've been disconnected from that. So I think if you have a menstrual cycle, that's your golden ticket to who you are if you can start to track that that connects you to your innate nature because you are it you we, we create life like life life like human life
0: well that's- in that self it's a that's a life and death itself every- exactly yeah
1: exactly every time a woman has her period what is she doing she is birthing death that okay. is no that is not a human life it didn't make it it's death
0: right
1: so uh, so how many of us are disconnected from that and are on contraceptive pills that are disconnecting us from that? I know that's a whole other topic, but it's important for people to know that we are so powerful. Yeah. And if we don't want kids, I don't want kids. I can channel that creative energy into anything.
0: Yeah.
1: We can create anything we want. And it starts as a seed in our mind and then it materializes. Everything begins as a thought.
0: Such good stuff. (laughs) I'm excited for us to talk more about this. Um. Okay. Let's 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 um. Two questions here. One would be, who? When would somebody reach out to have a conversation with you? Like when? Where do you come into play with all this? And then also, how can somebody get a hold of you?
1: Yeah. Well. Right now, I'm mostly concerned with people who have not got a diagnosis, yeah. who are just not very, like, yeah. who, want, who want to explore, if anyone's interested in psychedelics, earth medicines, I'm very happy to explore that option for them, especially if they're feeling really stuck and that nothing else has hap- helped them. Um, they can reach me on my Instagram, my email, I can give you that my phone I am very very happy to talk to people about these topics I have no no problem at any stage of life but for someone who has a loved one who is perhaps terminal and they are really wanting help I'm going to suggest these amazing resources if you don't mind I yeah, would suggest please. that everyone should have a copy of these They're by uh the found one of the founding nurses of hospice in America like she's an older woman now Barbara Carnes she's written these like they're very very small concise like basically instruction manuals as to how to recognize like how to help people from with hours to death like the dying experience the grief experience living with a life-threatening illness she has one about dementia and they're not like you have to go reading forever it's just like this concise yeah material that's so helpful for people and they are provided in most hospices but I think this is going back to grassroots stuff bringing death back to community not outsourcing it because death has become basically capitalized yeah where it's actually a communal death is a communal event so I would suggest those to people um There's a lot of people doing death doula trainings, not necessarily to become a death doula, but just to be there for their own family and loved ones and to just be there to understand how, how they can do that for them. And that's, that's why I kind of did it in the first place was just to do what my mother did for her mother. For my mother, you know, and I didn't feel at all at that point in my life ready for that. And now I'm like, yeah, we have this sorted. We're going to have it. We're, this is going to be the best experience for you, and I'm not going to interfere in that for her. I'm not going to make it about me, you know. So much of it can be about the family, but really, it's about the person.
0: Amazing. Well, thank yeah. you for your time today. And just also, if
1: anyone's oh, okay. interested in where or where you can do doula trainings, there's oh. a couple of places. Okay. So going with Grace. Awesome. She's awesome. I didn't do my training there, but I know a lot of people who did and they really recommend it. So going with Grace, she's on Instagram. And I did mine with Inelda, which is the end of life doula. Oh, sorry, International End of Life Doula Association. Elda, I-E-O-L-D-A. I-N-E-L-D. No, I-N-E-L-D-A. Sorry. I-N-E-L-D-A.
0: Okay. i'll link to all these two yeah and
1: there, there's there's more but i do think it's just the missing link that we're we're missing and the more people who are willing to talk about these things it opens up so much yeah it really does help you live life the way you want not the way someone has told you to do yeah yes yay
0: cool well thank you thank you yes All right. Thank you so much, Leanne. And thank you everybody else for tuning in today. And if you would like to learn more about Leanne, you can um, visit her on social media. And then also her email is in the show notes and then in the show notes as well as a long list of all the things that we talked about, as well as her email and Instagram handle. So thank you again for tuning in. If you liked this episode, please like subscribe and share. Have a great, great, great day.